chapter 1, verse 1, <clears throat> we've worked our way all the way through at uh, the Spirit's leading. So here we are in Ephesians chapter 6, and we pick it all up in verse 12. Ephesians 6, verse 12. Is that man bothering you? (laughs) Ephesians 6, verse 12, and this is God's word. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And let's stop there and pray one more time. Father, may the truth be spoken and received here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I told uh, Tammy last week that we would likely be done uh, with uh, the book of Ephesians pretty soon, and she was kind of surprised by that, and uh, maybe you're surprised by that too, because you look at the page and you're like, wow, there's a whole lot of writing uh, left, and uh, it seems like we ought to be in here for a few more months or so, and, uh, but we really are rounding the corner, and um, you know, when it comes to teaching this passage in front of us here today, you really have to, you, you face a choice. Um, you have to ask, is it to be broken down into components and taught in that way? You know, you've got, uh, for instance, uh, um, you know, the uh, um, armor of God. You've got the uh, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. You've got shoes. You've got a helmet. You've got a sword. You've got a shield and so on. Do you, do you break it down in that way and go, okay, we're going to launch into a big, long series? Or do you take the whole thing as a whole? Do you see the ideas here as uh, prominently interlocked, or do you break them apart? And, of course, it's broken apart all the time, and uh, you'll, you'll have people go, we're going to spend the next six months on a series on the armor of God. So is it the best way to handle that passage? Um, well, I'll tell you this. Um, I think it's fine to break it up like that, and uh, I think it's healthy and good to do that, and I may do that. I may come back and do that, probably not in the next few weeks or anything, but uh, I could see coming back in the fall or some other time and, and breaking this thing down. Um, but I find myself very cautious about diluting what I think is the main idea, um, which is this. If we take a look at it, it is. Uh, what in the world? Okay. And that's a remnant from, that's an old screen. Let me read it to you. The whole gospel is our whole defense. That's the big idea. The whole gospel is our whole defense. You got that? Is that locking in your brain even though it's not on the screen? The whole gospel is our whole defense. That's what I think this is teaching here. And I, I want to be very careful. You know, if, if it were 150 years ago and uh, I were teaching this passage to you, I would probably be more inclined to um, cover the individual aspects of it. 
because it was a very deeply communal people, highly relational people depending on one another. Well, we live in this very kind of autonomous society where we're each individuals and, and it's, it's postmodern and all that stuff. And I think one of the big problems uh, in, in, our Christian, in the Christian church and our spiritual maturity is that we tend to uh, take the gospel, we tend to take even things like communion, even things like the Christian life, and confine them to our spiritual bubbles where we think, mm, this is my Christian walk, this is it right here, I'm in my bubble. Oh, it's communion time, block everybody else out because I'm in my little bubble. And uh, yes, we want to be alone with God. Yes, uh, God has saved individual sinners, but he saved for himself a people. It's a covenantal people. What in the heck? And uh, mercy. And um, <laughs> I think uh, if we're going to err, we ought to err on the side of um, community. So uh, you see how that fits into our big idea. You'll, you'll see more as we move ahead as we, in the book of Ephesians. So our first point here is the why. Let's look at verse 12. Um, It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I know we looked at this a little bit last week, um, but uh, it's it's a real battle. And uh, I told you last week that I think that Christians are sometimes um, doubtful, uh, sometimes uh, forgetful and maybe even embarrassed about this notion about an actual evil enemy who plots against God and hates what God loves. It, it almost seems kind of far-fetched, and uh, it's kind of an embarrassment uh, when you're just talking about, your, uh, talking about it with your friends. You really believe in a devil? I mean, that just seems so, you know, kind of fairy tale and, uh, and all that. But Ladies and gentlemen, it is, it is something that the Bible clearly teaches. If you look at chapter 2, verse uh, uh, 1, uh, Paul's talking about it there, too. It very much plays into our, our uh, salvation. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. What does that mean? Well, following the course of this world, following this prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And then the gospel comes in. But God, rich in mercy, he sets his love upon us. He makes us alive when we were dead, right? Well, this is very foundational to the gospel. Mysterious, yes, it is, that there is this otherworldly, hard-to-understand um, realm out there, it, it, it is, it's mysterious. And listen, to call it mysterious is not some Christian cop-out where anything we can't explain we call mysterious. It is mysterious, but the gospel is called a mystery. And it's called a mystery that's been revealed to us, a mystery that has been unlocked, that has been shown uh, by the Holy Spirit of God. And so the Bible is careful to tell us of a spiritual world that we can't see that is brimming with activity all the time. Now, let's talk about this character, this prince of the power of the air. Let's talk about this uh, devil, this one who is against God, the one who is um, over this present darkness, uh, who is over the uh, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Who is this? Well, let's talk about what he's not. 
Um, who has all the power? All of it. God. He's omnipotent. He's omnipotent. Who has all the knowledge? Understands all the science? God alone. God alone is omniscience. He's omniscient. Who alone has the right and the ability to be everywhere within the creation that he has made? Only God. God alone. He is omnipresent. Those are incommunicable attributes. Only God enjoys those realities. And so whoever this evil character is, he is a created being. And he's a limited being. However, don't be fooled. He is very powerful. You know, on the one hand, out of the 7 billion people on this earth, you probably won't ever encounter the personal devil because he's not omnipresent. 7 billion is a lot of people. Uh, however, he is very powerful. In John 8.44, it it's calls him a murderer from the beginning. Uh, 1 Timothy 3.7, and talking about uh, qualifications for elders and all, it talks about, it, it uses the, the phrase, the snare of the devil. You know, you think of one of those bear traps with the rusty claw teeth, a snare of the devil. Uh, in Genesis, we're told that sin is crouching at the door. In James, we're told to resist the devil. And to resist the devil, it's not just, mm, I'm going to resist you. It's not, it's not in your own power. It's, it's that we're supposed to submit ourselves to God, and that's the way we resist the devil. Because the only one who's got the power to resist the devil is God. And here in our passage today, we're told to stand against the schemes of the devil. In fact, in verse 12, it's got this really cool word. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You've got a King James Version, or I think a New American Standard, it's got the word struggle. Does it have the word struggle? What does it have? It's got wrestle not. You sure? Somebody's got struggle. And everybody's got struggle. Uh, but, you know, struggle. Uh, this, but wrestling. I mean, you've seen people wrestle. And I'm not talking about World War, you know, I mean, WWE. I'm talking about, like, wrestle where they're tangled up in a mat and twisting each other in a pretzel. I mean, it's, it's, this, it's this hand-to-hand combat. All right, so how do we apply all this? I think we have to do this. We have to be very careful about the way we think about this devil, about Satan, about his legions, about the dominion of sin. Uh, they're not equal opposites to God. So Satan, his minions, evil, a dominion of sin, they're not equal opposites to God and his goodness. It's not two forces fighting one another. That's dualism. It's not that. God is God. There is no other. But make no mistake, the Bible clearly purports that this mysterious character of the evil underworld hates all that God loves. And God loves you with an everlasting love. Think of the hatred that this enemy has toward you. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the why. And it brings us to our next point. And if you see in verse 13, it says, um, uh, therefore. So let's go. Um, the who is our next point. Uh, we have the, the why, we have the who. Look at verse 11. It says, we do not struggle against flesh and blood. Uh, there's a we in there. 
Um, and it, it continues on. Uh, wrestle, struggle, but against the rulers and so on. Um, uh, and it goes on in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you uh, may be able to withstand the evil day. Um, ladies and gentlemen, um, that might seem like a, a, a slight point to point out the, the pluralism there, but I, I don't think it is. Uh, throughout the book of Ephesians, Paul speaks, he uses the word you in the plural over and over again. When he says you do this and you do this and you do this, basically uh, a, the, the perfect English word is y'all. I mean, it really is the perfect English word. Uh, and uh, it is. It's awesome. I, it's a, a totally useful. I'm all the way in on y'all. Um, um, the, that's the idea. He's saying in verse 11, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on that y'all may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Y'all wrestle. Y'all need this armor. That's what he's saying. Now, of course, it applies to individual Christians. That's true. If there's a y'all, there's a you in the singular. There's a bunch of yous in the singular. That's true. But my point is that the battle is much greater than just you and the resources are as well. And, of course, I mean that they come from God, but not just that. Uh, let me show you something in verse 16. Uh, it says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Now, that's usually thought of, all these things are usually thought of in kind of a felt board way, right? Um, little kids, uh, there's, a, there's a little bathroom down the hall here, and there's a poster on the wall there, and it's got, you know, yeah, they got a little soldier on there, and, and uh, people like all little pieces and all that stuff. And, uh, but, you know, ladies and gentlemen, read on in verse 16. Um, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now think about what do you think that means? I mean, you've seen Hollywood movies, haven't you? I mean, a, a shield, there are different kinds of shields, right? There's a shield like this. Well, you can't even see it on the screens there, but there's a, there's a shield up there. And, you know, you got these kinds of shield. Uh, uh, ooh, careful. But the shield that's used for flaming darts, what's that look like? It's the size of a door. And so you got an army, and they've all got a door. And uh, the bad guys have the flaming arrows whoosh, through the air. And what does it mean? You've got an army full of people gathered together with all their shields. They lean back, and the flaming darts come over in this one big thing. And what's happening? What's this saying? It's not saying, ooh, I'm going to live my Christian life all by myself. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. It's saying, we are the church. We're in this together. The general has said, gather, clump together, make a battalion, hold up the shield of faith to beat off the flaming darts. That's not, it's not, it's not, you know, catnip, you know, one, one on one. It's an army of flaming darts. It's an illustration, ladies and gentlemen, of people unified and defending together. And uh, I've got a very easy, quick application for you. Uh, the application is don't blow off second hour today. That's your application. All right, moving on. The how. Look at verse 11 again. Um, it says, um, uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. In verse 13, at the end of it, it says that we're to stand firm. In 14, we're supposed to stand therefore. Now, I can just hear some coach somewhere 
using that to give a pep talk. Guys, we got to dig in our heels. We got to play the game we know we got to play. We got to be the defense we know we got to be. We got to play man to man like we're going to, we got to, we got to score. That's what we got to do. We got to score. I love all these coach talks. You know, it's the same thing over and over again. But, but I, can't you see some Christian go, God, we got to stand. Let's stand. Everybody ready to stand? Well, you know, it's typically thought, ladies and gentlemen, that Paul was under house arrest. You probably heard this taught. Paul is under house arrest when he's writing the book of Ephesians. And, uh, you know, he's, oh, let's see. Oh, look at the Roman soldier guarding me. I'm going to use him as an illustration. And I'm going to talk about his clothing. Oh, look at his shoes. Oh, look at his little sword there. Oh, he's got a breastplate. And uh, have you heard that? That Paul's in jail and he's looking at the Roman soldier and that's, that's the impetus for this, uh, this whole story. Well, is it really? No. Uh, turn in, uh, to into Isaiah 59, if you would. Uh, go to Psalms and hang a right. Isaiah 59 and verse uh, 15. See if this sounds familiar. See if this gives you a snapshot into the mind of the Apostle Paul. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on Righteousness is a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. And skip down to verse 20 of that same chapter. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. So we get a glimpse into our writer's mind, don't we? Uh, yeah, and by the way, there are plenty of other passages that talk about uh, God as a, as a warrior and uh, use uh, combat comparisons and so on. But it backs up what Paul is saying here in verse 10. Be strong, not in your own power, but in the Lord. Be strong in the power of uh, the warrior, the great warrior who is uh, sending you. And so if you want an application for your life, um, the idea is that uh, we participate in God's victory by equipping ourselves for battle with the stuff that he's given us. He's the general. He's the victor. We're, we're out there, but he's the one who empowers and equips, and, and he just doesn't leave us out there to go fight some war. You know, um, ba- back at the Gulf War, or the, the second one, Donald, Rump- Donald Rumsfeld was on a talk show, and um, he goes, uh, you know, you, f- you fight the uh, war with the army you have. And I always thought that was kind of a cool quote, you know. Uh, I know he kind of, his, his reputation got kind of squirrely at the end there, uh, media and all that stuff. But, you know, he really was a, is a strong guy and has all these cool quotes. I think that's a cool quote. You fight the war with the army you have. However, you know what that was in reference to? Not having uh, armored vehicles. He was talking about a weakness in the army. He was saying, yeah, you know, it'd be nice, uh, but you fight the war with the army you have. Well, guess what? God's the warrior. God's the winner. God's got all the stuff. He's the supplier. He's the distributor of strength. And God himself will see to the victory. So now, get your armor on. It's not 
get your arm around and go see what you can do. It's that God will see to the victory. Now get your armor on and participate with confidence. That's what this is saying. All right, and that takes us to our last idea here, which is the whole. So we've got the why, we've got the who, we've got the how, we've got the whole. And you remember our main idea that the whole of the gospel is the whole of what we need, right? The whole of the gospel is the whole of our deliverance. Um, so uh, look at verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, verse 14, we've got these individual items. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Uh, It also goes on to say the breastplate of righteousness, and it's often thought that those two things actually go together. Uh, This is uh, Isaiah 11.5. Righteousness will be the belt of his waist and faithfulness uh, the belt of his loins. And so basically, what is that saying? Um, It's saying that uh, God is the ultimate warrior, uh, but it's saying the truth is the thing that's going to protect our vitals. Uh, Oh, by the way, that's another thing, too, about uh, Paul looking at the Roman soldier going, oh, let's see. I mean, Roman soldiers, uh, do they really have shields? I mean, uh, when they're guarding uh, a, a prisoner like Paul who's under house arrest, you think they got a shield? You think they have a breastplate? You think they have armor on covering here in their loins? In the, in the, have you ever seen a prison guard? What are they wearing? You know, do, 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 do. are they wearing riot gear? They have masks on a big shield? Or are they just guarding prisoners? Well, what I'm saying to you is all this stuff is saying that this is intense and we need to protect our vitals. And truth is the thing for that. It goes on to talk about uh, other things, too, like uh, in verse uh, 12, uh, it goes on, uh, what else, uh, 15, uh, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You know, uh, when Tammy's mom lived with us uh, for those few years before she died, um, sweet little thing, she was just like a teenier version of Tammy, teenier older version of Tammy, and... um, you know, she was just this, this it, it, I don't know where she got those little shoes of hers, but the, they were like these little, like, they were probably from the dollar store or something, but they were these little, like, slip-on little, like, Chinese shoes that she would wear, and uh, she was just this frail little form, but, uh, you know, I come barreling through the house, you know, with my dress shoes, and the dog's like, you know, Jim's leaving for church, it's a Sunday morning, and Mimi would be in the doorway, and... I'd, I'd be coming down the hallway with my, all my stuff. I'm racing to the car, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the car, and she'd, see, and she'd be in the doorway, and she'd do one of those things like tennis players do, which is get, going, like, get her feet going, you know, like, which way am I going to dive, you know? And uh, <laughs> what I'm saying is that's the idea here, ladies and gentlemen. It's this, it's this uh, quickness of foot. It's the way a runner sets up to, t- to, do, to do a 50-yard dash. You know, you, you plant your feet and you get ready to move and you get ready to respond. That's what this is saying. But notice, too, that it's anchored in the truth. Shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You know, that's a, a picture of a runner on the hill coming with news of salvation. They see him from afar and they, they go, you know what? He is booking it. That's a happy run. I think he brings good news of rescue, of uh, uh, peace, of victory. It's saying uh, that we've got this great gospel message and um, uh, truth is... Um, 
truth is our readiness, and we need to be ready to, to tell the truth uh, about, our, about the gospel. Uh, in verse 16, it goes on. It talks about the shield of faith. One more thing I'll mention about the shield is a Roman shield, one of those big kind of deal shields. They were typically wrapped in leather. Right, so it's not just a big hunk of wood which like catches on fire. Uh, it's wrapped in leather which uh, uh, dissuades the fire, and um, it uh, it protects, of course, the person underneath it. Verse seventeen, it goes on. It says, "Take on the helmet of salvation." It goes on to say, "Take on the uh, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God." And uh, you know, the the helmet of salvation may have very much to do with protecting the mind, um, the um, the um, Sword of the Spirit, of course, is God's word, as it says here. But I, I, the application for you, ladies and gentlemen, is it would be great to go, well, let's talk about the gospel of peace this week, and let's talk about this helmet, and let's talk about uh, you know, uh, the protection that God gives. Uh, that's a shield and so on. But the, the idea, the application, the big thing, what the Apostle Paul, I think, wants us to walk away with and not miss is that it's the whole armor of God. You're not okay with some of the armor of God. It's an integrated whole. And uh, that means, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, we can't do it alone. There are means of grace. And one of the means of grace is that God has saved himself a people. And it's not just you. It's y'all. Y'all put on the whole armor of God. And when you think about resisting temptation, when you think about living, when you think about... uh, surpassing the, the difficulties that stand in front of you, you, you can't do it alone. You know, folks, um, I, I'm going to give you an illustration. Um, I, I want to be careful with names and stuff, but it was a, a Wednesday night. Um, somebody was sitting at a table here, food time, and uh, Dr. Young walks up to a table, and he says to this individual sitting at the table, he says, I'm mad at you. And this individual goes, uh, why are you mad at me? He goes, well, I got word that you were in the hospital for six days and you didn't tell anybody. And we want to know. And this individual said, well, I was in Lakeside. And uh, don't know the details, but this person hit a place where they were fearful and it was out of control, didn't know where else to go drove to Lakeside, and hit the panic button. And Dr. Young shared this with the staff. It's a table of eight. This one person's here. There are seven other people. And he told the staff, this person shared this potentially very humiliating um, fact in real time. And that table rallied around this person like instantly felt a responsibility for this person, instantly cared, instantly wanted to help, instantly wanted to engage. And Dr. Young said in our staff, and he goes, that is the kind of church I want this to be. We can walk in and say, hey, I'm a mess in this area. Hey, I'm having trouble in this area. Hey, uh, this is a difficult situation. It's a hurdle I can't seem to get over. It's 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 a cave I can't seem to climb out of. It's okay. I mean, is it any surprise that you're messed up and so is your spouse and that we need each other? You know, guys, um, 
when, uh, when I was with the Deltones, we had this rehearsal studio downtown. And it's still, the front of it is still there. It's a facade of a building. And now the back of it's a parking garage. But it's on Madison, almost Madison and 2nd. And uh, we rented this place, I mean, for years. We shared it with a couple other bands. And there was like some bunch of recording-y type people working on soldering things up there and stuff. It had an old elevator that you worked by hand. And it was just this old, rickety, old, old, old building with, you know, pigeons in the back windows. The windows were broken out. And the, there was big holes in the floor. Totally dilapidated. But my point is... When we played out all the time, you know, you'd end up going downtown to Madison and Second, at, sometimes at two thirty in the morning, dropping some stuff off, or and sometimes you were alone. And uh, let me tell you, when you pull up downtown, <laughs> and uh, it's real super dark, and you're going, you know, this would be the perfect place and opportunity to kill me, <laughs> and take my eighteen dollars, my sixty dollars I just made, you know. And uh, so you, what you would do is you drive up. And you're looking around, and before you even shut the car off, you're putting the keys through your fingers like this, you know, and you're, you're, you're getting the one, and, 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 you know, you're like, okay, here I go, here I go. I don't think I'm going to get stabbed. Uh, uh. And, you know, you get in there, and you shut the thing right away. What I'm saying to you is there was a certain amount of diligence applied to that situation where you, you go, okay, I know that this is potentially a little bit dangerous. I know it. Well, guys, I know this is a fun life. And you got a, you have granite countertops and uh, gorgeous above-average children. I know, all of you. Um, but it's a, it's a dangerous world, friends. It's dangerous. There's an enemy that hates everything that God loves, and God loves you with an everlasting love. And so, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, don't, uh, don't take Satan lightly. Treat him as the spiritual spammer that he is. You know, you get these spams. Well, I'm trapped in Dubai. All I need is $2,000 to get home. Oh, really? You know, treat it like spam. Treat it with skepticism. Um, it's spiritual spam, ladies and gentlemen. Put on the whole armor of God. And, friends, the whole armor of God is the gospel. The whole armor of God is the gospel. The whole armor of God is the gospel. Father, uh, it gives our hearts great joy to rehearse this gospel, to remember that you have not forgotten sinners, but that you provide everything that we need, not only for salvation, but for life and godliness. And so our prayer is, Lord, that you would cause your word to be the centerpiece of our lives and cause our fellowship to support that word and its application in our lives. Show us, Lord, that you have saved sinners, but uh, you saved we sinners. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, y'all.